Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with... Just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Helping people is what drew me to the profession of pharmacy. Nobody wants to take medications, right? They need to take them to feel better. And people need a pharmacist who will listen, who cares about them, and will take time to explain. Nothing's more important to me than patient care. And I'm grateful to work for a like-minded company. Actually, I don't just work here. I'm an owner. And you can be too. Come see what it's like to work for Kinney Drugs, an employee-owned, patient-centric company. It's why I became a pharmacist in the first place. KinneyDrugs.com. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 108 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Ronnie Radke from Falling in Reverse, I want to put a quick plug in for the Mistress Carrie backstage pass on Patreon. If you're looking for backstage access to all things Mistress Carrie, get yourself a backstage pass. You'll get access to exclusive blog posts and photos, travel blogs and updates, a monthly exclusive live stream, and unbelievable access to free concert tickets. Plus, you'll get inside info on the podcast and be able to submit questions for upcoming interviews and get tipped off early on music gossip and concert announcements. Head to patreon.com slash mistresscarry or click the Patreon logo at mistresscarry.com. Ronnie Radke is the lead singer of the band Falling in Reverse, and they're getting ready to head out on the Rockzilla tour this summer with Papa Roach, Hollywood Undead, and Bad Wolves. Ronnie Radke also has his autobiography coming out in July called I Can Explain. Ronnie checked in and had to dodge some jackhammering in his background to talk about everything. The tour, his music, songwriting, his friend Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach, what it's like to live in California. We compared coffee notes. He talked about the brilliance of artists like Kanye West and Eminem and what social media would have been like for artists like Jimi Hendrix. We also got serious about mental health and anxiety and the need for therapy. And we talked about songwriting with artists like Blink-182 and Freddie Mercury from Queen. If you're looking for more details on the band, his autobiography, and the upcoming Rockzilla tour, just check the links in the show notes of this episode. So allow me to introduce you to Ronnie Radke from Falling in Reverse. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room 
with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stain, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Blue Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed. You're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to... You have the privilege of listening to Mistress Carrie. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Ronnie. How are you? I'm good. Is it is my video clear? Is it good? I can see you. You look like you're doing all right. We're just going to wing it and see what happens. Okay. Where are you? Are you home? Are you in Vegas? Yeah, I'm, uh, I, actually, I don't live in Vegas. I lived in uh, Los Angeles for the past... 13, 12, 13 years. Oh, okay. You finally made the trip to the city of sin. Uh, yeah, I just love, uh, I mean, I like Las Vegas, I guess, but I just like the weather and LA and the food. I know it's expensive and crazy. Of course there's jackhammering happening. Are you kidding me? As we're talking about LA, hold on a second. Let me go somewhere else. Oh my God. I just love the food. I love the, um, and then all of a sudden, just little jackhammering. Hold on one second. <laughs> this is entertainment, though, I guess. So You're all good. We got time. It's all right. I just got home from vacation, so I'm super relaxed right now. It's all good. Take your time. Yeah. We're good. Okay. <laughs> It's just so fun. It's like a movie, dude. You're like, I love LA. And you just all of a sudden. Yeah, here you go. Here's your nice, relaxing morning with your jackhammer. So you were able to get into the West Coast lifestyle. I'm an East Coast person, so I have a hard time. Maybe it's maybe it's too sunny and nice for me. I don't know. Oh, you're so you're used to the jackhammering and all that. And East Coast, like New York. It's not quite that bad, but yeah, it's pretty much we get winter and then pothole season. Those are the two seasons we get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm. I just. I'm not a New York person. I like the shows. The shows go crazy there, and there's a lot of diversity there at our shows and stuff like that. There's great shopping. I don't know how you guys can live over there, especially on any part of the East Coast. I guess just I like the sun, and I like um, you know. Yeah, I just like the sun. I don't like the cold weather. I just got home from Key West last night. Oh, wow. I don't know how to handle that kind of humidity. I didn't know my body could make so much liquid. I I couldn't stop sweating the whole time. That's really good. That's healthy for your cardiovascular system, though. That's good. I'm obsessed with that. Steam rooms, all that stuff. So you probably feel good afterwards, right? I do now that I'm back in my bed and it's like the perfect New England weather today. So there's no humidity. It's like 78 degrees today. Like 
I, I could do this every day. I'm good. It's like, I guess like yeah. San Diego here. I, that's what I've heard yeah. San Diego's like. Yeah. Uh, San Diego's cool. I'm not uh, a, a big fan of San Diego, but um, it's, I mean, the weather's always so nice in California. That's the thing. I think that's why it's so expensive here, but it's just, I walk outside every day and I'm like so appreciative of the weather constantly year round too. If it gets too cold, it's like the, the cold here is like, Oh, put a hoodie on. (laughs) She's laughing. I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm like, Oh, it's kind of cold. Let me put a hoodie on. Oh, now it's too hot. You know what I mean? In like December in January. I invite you to my house in December to go outside with a hoodie on and see how long you last. (laughs) No, no, I know, Nui. I, I know, I, I know. No way. It, it, it hurts your fingertips. It feels when you walk outside for like thirty seconds, your fingertips start hurting, like the bones and stuff. I know it's too cold. It does make people very resilient, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of East Coast cities. It comes up a lot on the show. Um, we're very kind of tribal and territorial. And we're very passionate about what we love. And in the summer, we got to cram a lot into a little bit of time because it's not nice all the time. So there's a sense of urgency that you get here that I think you don't get in other places. That's true, too. Uh, The cold is good for you, too, actually. Like cold baths and stuff like that. I take cold showers every morning, straight up. I know that sounds crazy, but and it's hard to do, but... um, I can, I can see the resilience with the cold weather too, because the cold is actually really healthy for you. I just don't want to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you look at all of those Scandinavian countries, they go outside in the freezing cold, they go in the sauna. It seems to be working for them. Yeah. It activates your stressors and makes you realize, uh, it makes your stress go down because you're used to the stress kind of thing. So, but for some reason, everybody wants to fight in New England. So (laughs) You want to fight about it? You know what I mean? That's what I, that's what I get from there. I tell people that I'm fueled on hate and caffeine. Those are the two things. It's like, that's, that's why I get out of bed in the morning. I'm pissed off and I need a coffee. Yeah, for sure. You guys got good coffee there. Yeah, we got dunks, you know, a little iced coffee. Yeah. Are you an iced coffee person or a hot coffee person? Both. Yeah. Depends okay. On, depends on the day. Yeah. Yeah. But one thing that you get with people from the East Coast, especially especially in the Northeast, is we are passionate rock fans. I, for sure. Like the rock Dude. community here is alive and well. Yes. And I've noticed that too as well. L.A. is a fun place to play. West Coast is fun. Uh, but they are not as accepting. How do I say this nicely? They're just more... They got their arms crossed, you know, we've seen it all kind of thing, you know, but they're still kind of rowdy for my shows straight up, you know, but I've seen it at other shows. They're just not, they've just seen it all kind of thing. And uh, over East coast, like New York, like I was saying in Boston and all these places that we play, they go crazy. It's like a whole different, completely different place, like world, you know what I mean? So. Well, when you guys announced this Rockzilla tour with, you know, Papa Roach, Hollywood Undead, Bad Wolves. I looked at the dates and you're you're in New England in the Northeast for like the first four or five dates of the tour. So you're just getting thrown into the Viper Pit right off the bat. Oh, gosh. You can't ease Rhode into Island. this tour, man. They, they The shows better be good from the jump. 
Oh, they will be. Uh, yeah. But you're always excited when you first start by like week two, you're exhausted <laughs> and you find a second wind and then, you know, you just keep going. You know what I mean? So yeah, it'll be, it'll be good. It's got to help too when you're going out on the road with a bunch of bands that all get along really well, that are all friends and yeah. have been for a long time. No egos. That's what I love about uh, Papa Roach. He inspires me, or he, them. They're all nice, straight up. I'm not even uh, joking. Like, they're all super sweet, straight up. But Jacoby, I personally love the dude because he's just so humble about it. It's not fake. You know, there's like this fake humbleness that I've seen you know, with people and I'm and like, I don't know, maybe it's my discernment in humans that I just can kind of smell it. But um, with him, it's very genuine. And I mean, I'll never forget one time, you know, he could see that I, I have some, you know, like, like issues sometimes. And he's like, he says, um, I'm a younger version of him. And one time he just looks at me, he goes, you gotta let the love in. You got and I'm like, I'll never forget him saying that because he's right. You know what I mean? And um I just wish everybody's like that. I wish I was more like that. You know, maybe when I get a little older, something will click, you know, it's just, I don't know. There's something about it that I like. He, he brings a whole, like, um, the atmosphere is just not, it's not so standoffish. It's hard to explain. He definitely seems like the kind of person that uses his music as a cathartic experience, that he gets all of the anger and the rage and all of that out because you're right. I've, I've known Jacoby a long time myself and he is one of those people that when you're with him and he's not on stage, he's so positive and so happy. And he's someone that you feel better when you're around him. There's because- a couple people in my life. Yeah. Like that. I got a couple people like that in my life and you got to hold on to those people. You know, I just, I, I kind of get envious. I'm like, how are, what, what are you doing? You know what I mean? What's going on? <laughs> you know, but he's just, he's there and it's, um, you know, it is what it is. It's, it'll be very positive. I've been on tours my whole adult life and it's always like a, like there's like a hard, how do, how do you say it? Like a competitiveness with people or like an ego thing with one of the bands or like a, thing where someone's having an issue and I just know in my heart on this tour, it's just all love. You know what I mean? Hollywood and dead too. They're all super cool. All the dudes in bad wolves are super cool, you know? So it's going to be fun. It's hard in this business, right? Both of us behind a microphone in different ways. And it's like, you got to have a little bit of an ego to step behind a microphone and open your mouth at all. It's, it's required, but that delicate balance you get shunned for it. It's like, but this is what you wanted. You want to, you want to, you want to see a monkey dance, but you don't want them to be too over, over ego to like, I don't know what you want here. You know what I mean? In this day and age, back in the day before all this self-righteous social media warrior stuff, um, it was okay to be like a larger than life figure. You know what I mean? Because you weren't getting barraged by like hundreds of thousands of people telling you, that your hair doesn't look good or you're you should have you should have dyed your hair black not brown you know what i mean like it's just constant little nitpicking and then the the cherry on top is well you can't act like that it's like well what do you want you want a normal person i don't know what you want you know a normal quote-unquote normal person would have a very hard time 
with the massive amount of negativity and criticism that comes from living in that fishbowl that only, I mean, it's it, being a musician and being in the entertainment business puts you in a fishbowl anyway. But you're right yeah. that social media and technology has made that fishbowl way different and more immediate. Yeah, I just think it comes down to uh, when people are being, gen- there's like some artists in the music industry that there always will be that, that get really big that aren't really doing it you can just, I feel like I can just see it. And like, and maybe it's just me. Like, um, I don't know, but I've been doing it for so long. I could just see it like the, the not being genuine when they speak and when they perform their music. And that's why I appreciate Jacoby because it's real. And me and him have a um, positive competitiveness. He always tells me, he's like, I got to step it up because I go crazy too. I really do. I can't help it. And, he, he's older than me and, and it makes me happy to see because it makes me realize that you can get older and not like, like slow down. You know what I mean? Cause he's out there, he's going crazy. And you so know, it's in his head that he's looking at you going, Oh, you young whippersnapper. You're not kicking my ass off the stage tonight. I'm bringing it. Yeah. To bring it out of here. Ass. Yeah. Yeah. It's badass. But yeah, overall, like it's hard to navigate in this day and age, I just, I just don't care. I say whatever I want. And cause I know, I know my heart, I know where it is. I'm not all the things that, that, you know, how everything all of a sudden is, have you ever noticed that everybody's like kind of the same when it comes to being attacked? It's like, you're either racist, you're this, you're this. It just seems like it's a whole fishbowl of being attacked for the same things. And um, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I just say what I want to say. And it's, and I know it's not that harmful and it's just, you got to be yourself. And I know some people that are most people out there are really scared to say things. And it really breaks my heart. I'm like, you know, it's people like, Oh, I can't say that. I'm like, but <laughs> that's not that big of a deal. It's not people. And then, there's the, then there's the opposite where there are the people that are the legit racist assholes that yeah. have gotten so used to being able to say stuff and have no consequence back. And right. so it has leveled the playing field in both ways where people are getting criticized for for saying the quote unquote wrong thing that's not really wrong. But then there's also people that are finally paying a price for being total douchebags. hundred percent. And that's that the good true. part. Yeah, that is true. And uh, it's like a push and pull, but a lot of people don't deserve it. You know, like being a... Being an artist, you're a little crazy. You got to be. That's why I love Kanye West because he tweets the gnarliest thing. He said, what did he say once? He said, I need to travel everywhere I go. I need mirrors surrounding me. So uh, so every time I look around, I'm surrounded by winners. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> these are the people you need because you, you, like not you, but like the people that are reading that are, that's why you pay for the shows. That's what you need that because that's not who you are. You know what I mean? So I just hope that it comes to a place where people uh, look at people in a different way than they do now. It just seems like a lot of judgment and self-righteousness. He's you know? crazy. Like it's a very fox. topical though. He just, he just won a lawsuit with Walmart. He sued Walmart and he got them to settle because they ripped off his sneakers and he said it cost him a bunch of money and he sued. He was crazy enough to sue Walmart and they settled with him. So he ain't that crazy. 
Yeah. And when I get attacked, I get attacked on the internet. I always, I always compare, I like, I used to take it personally. I do not take it personally anymore. I compare it to like, well, look at Kanye and Justin Bieber. Like they're at the top of the world, right? When it comes to that stuff, they must see it way worse. And they do. It's like huge judgment. Like, you know, from their peers too, from other rappers and other singers too. So I get it. And I totally understand. And that's why, that's why I love that because they just say whatever they want. And it's not like, you know, you need that. You still need that. That cannot die. We cannot let that die. You know what I mean? Because then everybody becomes terrified, you know, and I don't, I, I just can't sit back and let that happen. So. And then, then there's the good part of it where you get to have a connection with your fans that generations of bands that came before you, it just wasn't mm-hmm. technologically possible for you to have that amazing, intimate, uh, you know, immediate connection mm-hmm. with people that love your music. Yeah, I uh, like to keep it. Uh, it's hard to I like to communicate with them, too, but it's hard because I want to keep the mystique as well, because. You, the mystique is what keeps the, that kind of idea alive as well. You know, so the unpredictability. I wish fans would realize that what they have, you know what I mean? They have something that's very special. You know, they get to communicate with whoever they want. You know, it's like almost like uh, it brings you so, so much closer within seconds of a snap of a finger when you used to have to write letters and hopefully the manager didn't write the letter for you and send it back. Yeah, can you, know, you imagine club? being able to tweet at... Jimi hendrix back at, like what yeah yeah i'm sure he i'm sure Jimi hendrix was somehow got canceled somehow or you know <laughs> uh you know motley Cruz literally got, oh. can't would be canceled oh my god guns 50, and roses 50 times over yeah so so yeah internet you're right internet's very good it's helped me and it's um i think it's just overall helped me honestly because the bad is good too as well you're doing yeah. something that, it, it, talking about what we're talking about, you're mm-hmm. opening yourself wide open coming up in July because you're releasing a book. Mm-hmm. And and you're putting even more out there than maybe anyone that loves you or hates you has heard about you before. And, and you know, there's a lot of people that have a lot of things to say about you. You've been very open about the things that have happened in your past how are you feeling now knowing that the book is done and it's getting ready to go out, but, but, but people haven't read it yet. Are you nervous about that? Uh, no, I'm not nervous at all. Cause, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. Like, uh, I, I wish I could say more. I wish I could, um, not put it in just writing for people to read. I wish I could, I, I think I am doing that with a documentary, but, um, there's just so many things that have been misconstrued. And then uh, over the years with like uh, people and stories, how they change, people change things. And like, eventually it gets to a point you're like, what in the hell? That's not true. Oh my man. I had some crazy stuff. And um, you know, you go and it's just because it's kids that go and they Google my name. And then there's these insane articles. It's the media's fault. They don't ever, most of these media outlets never do their research and they just want clicks so they say some crazy headline ronnie raggy assaults or the and it's they don't it's not true you know what i mean and that's what and you can't sue them because there's like this gray area you know because it's like allegedly or if they put allegedly in so it 
what it does is for kids that are young and impressionable, all they got to do is Google. And then they're like, Oh, that's, that's true. That's what it's gotten to. Yeah. So the book is, it'll, it'll hopefully uh, alleviate a little bit, but I don't think it'll ever change when it comes to that. You know, so. People have said to me over the years that I should write a book. And when I sit down and think about the process, I get tired. And especially day one, sitting down and starting, looking at the blank page, looking at the blank screen. What was the process like for you? Well, there's no way. I mean, you could if you were a straight up um, writer, writer, you know what I mean? If that's what you love to do. But you just hire somebody that comes and stands next to you and follows you around and ask you a bunch of questions for months at a time. That's what usually people that write, but I'm not going to sit down on a little typewriter and write it. <laughs> There'd be so many gram- uh, grammar errors and, and, you know, you get somebody proofread it. But, um, yeah, it, it helps hiring a publisher and somebody that's great at words in, in a sense of, like, putting them on a page, like a journalist or something like that. Um, so it, that does help. But um, I'll tell you what, the, the months that they spent with me was exhausting, though. I was going to ask you, that sounds exhausting to get interviewed all the time for months on end to have somebody just fall and, and you're paying them to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to relive stuff and they got to, you got to talk about like your mother leaving you and like this thing that happened to you when you were a kid and you don't want to talk about that and then going to prison, like, you know, um, a lot of bad stuff that happened, which kind of bring, brings up anxiety and stuff like that. But um, I, I feel like that helps you heal as well when you talk about it more. That's I what was going to ask you if you felt it was a little bit cathartic to kind of open yourself up and let some of that out. Yeah, uh, back in the day, like about 10 years ago, I, I would have meltdowns if, I, if people would ask me that. I couldn't do interviews back in the day or like in-person interviews because that's the first thing they would ask me. And I used to have... Um, panic attacks because of it. I didn't understand how to navigate the questions because it was post-traumatic stress, I suppose. You know, I learned that in therapy. It was hard to talk about therapy so that after therapy, it's easy now. When you, you can ask me anything at this point and it's not, it's easy, you know. It's, it's very commendable that you are so open and honest about seeking help and accepting mm-hmm. help. I do a lot of work with Um, the military and veterans. And it's something that for a long time, there was a stigma with that. And now I actually had a great conversation with Jacoby about it because his dad is a Vietnam veteran and it caused a lot of problems with his upbringing. And, and now people are seeing the importance and how powerful and healing and cathartic it can be when you are able to say, I can't handle this on my own. I need help. It's, it's life-changing. Yeah, especially in in men because men are ra- are are raised to to hold it in and be strong, you know. And with women as well, of course. But like in men, it's like a, you have to hold it in, and everybody you have to be strong, and you can't show true emotion. It seems that's what around other people, you know. So um, I think that if um, you know, with my songs and stuff like that, like my song "Voices in My Head." That's literally about um, hypochondria and literally thinking you get to 38. Um, I'm like 38 years old now and I feel like a little thing somewhere. And I instantly think, I'm like, oh, that's it. Here it comes. 
And it's, yeah, I'll have meltdowns. It's crazy. It's just my anxiety has transferred into like physical symptoms. So, and it's um, too easy to Google on WebMD and you're like, it's lupus, it's lupus, I'm dying. Don't do that. I thought I had lupus once. It's, it's so outrageous. And, and my girlfriend and my friends will laugh at me. I'll look in the mirror. I've looked in the mirror and I thought I had jaundice once. Like it's uh, jaundice is like so insanely specific of a thing to have. You know what I mean? Like you would know if you had jaundice, you know what I mean? It's like, but um, yeah, that's so when you, um, when you don't treat your um, post-traumatic stress and stuff like that, I feel like it can transfer over and it gets worse and worse. So therapy is, is a big deal for people. I think that everybody should do therapy, you know, like every single person in the world should do therapy. That's my belief. You, I, you bring up the video and I'm watching voices in my head and I'm watching you kill yourself as a, as a different person, not suicide, but, but you as a different person come in and you literally murder yourself over and over (laughs) again. And I was like, I don't know if I could watch myself and act that out. Making that video, was that weird for you or was it healthy for you? Uh, it was just exhausting and I didn't care because it was like, it was like exhausting. It it took forever. You know, it was hours and hours and hours to make that video. So at some point, um, I also was on a caloric deficit. So, so I could be in shape, you know, because camera adds 10 pounds. So you gotta, so starving, you know, the, you know, so you're not a girl because we could gain 10 pounds in five seconds. It's mad. (laughs) Dude, it was hard. Uh, I understand it, that was like a little mini movie. So I, I commend actors. Actors get a lot of shit because they're celebrities and stuff. And but people don't realize that they they work really hard. They have to because me doing that little fight scene and all those little things. It was that was hard work. Hours, exhausted. So, and it's you're used to being on stage where you can just move with however the music moves you. But when you're on a video set or filming a movie or anything, it's like, you got to hit marks and it's all choreographed and yep. to get the right camera angle or you just got to do it again. Yep. And I've done it so many times. They, they're like, all right, do it again. Because my director is known for getting like, he got like, like thousands of takes and everybody knows him for that. You know, so we'll be there till like six in the morning, seven in the morning, you know? So. Yeah. That, that sounds extremely exhausting. <laughs> it's worth it though. Um, congratulations. Having a number one hit must've made you feel amazing. Yeah. So Poppy Monster went number one. That was my first ever. Uh, I got, I had pretty big songs, uh, you know, but they never got radio hits and that was really crazy. And then I went zombified, went to number one. I was like, what the heck? That was the next song. And so let's see if Voices in My Head goes number one. If Voices in My Head goes number one, I'll freak out. That's so (laughs) crazy. Oh, my gosh, man. That's such a big deal to me, you know. As a kid, you know, starting a band, that's your dream. You want to be on the radio, you know. And everybody, a lot of people say that nobody listens to the radio. Like, no, that makes your band bigger. And you should appreciate people that want to play you on the radio because that means they like it enough. And that's you know, and it's going to showcase you to a lot of people that have never heard you before. So to go to number one twice in a row is crazy. You know, did you grow up 
knowing that you had musical ability? Was it something you stumbled into? Yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't know. And then I did figure it out. I learned how to play piano without any um, lessons or anything. And I just sang. I was able to sing and everything. And then. Did you always write? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I drew comic books, made my own superheroes, I'd write stories out and stuff like that. But um, it, there was just that. I guess that's a part of my brain that the creativity part is special and sacred to me. So yeah, from an early age, I would sing uh, Boys to Men, Mariah Carey and uh, Whitney Houston. Cause I, yeah. Just, it, just aim high. <laughs> uh, yeah. Some and of I the greatest voices really, ever. <laughs> yeah. I really learned how to belt out. I mean, I'm extremely loud live and my, and it's really important to be in key for me and to know when you're out of key, because a lot of singers don't know when they're out of key. And I'm so grateful that I was born knowing when there's a wrong note or something, because um, it's a specialty, you know, for Not me everybody personally. can do that. I'm, I'm, I, I talk to musicians all the time because that's my job, but I do not have one lick of the ability to be able to play an instrument or write a song. And I mean, you can hear my voice. There's no fucking way I'm singing anything. You never know. No, I know. Trust me, if, if it were your birthday and I sang happy birthday to you on your voicemail, <laughs> it would keep you up at night. It's horrifying. <laughs> oh, my God. It's horrifying. It is, and I do it on purpose. People on their birthday don't accept my call because they want the voicemail because it's so bad they want to document it. <laughs> so don't give me your phone Send number your and, and don't tell me when your birthday is or I am going to haunt you with my vocal stylings. <laughs> Right on. December 15th. December 15th. Okay. Yeah. Well, look out. Look okay. out. Um, I have a theory about music that you grow up gifted music that you're exposed to, whether it be older siblings, the cool uncle, parents, whatever it is. And then there's a line in the sand where you decide okay, this is now mine, an artist that you find on your own, a song, whatever. What was the soundtrack of the music that you remember growing up? And then who was the artist or what was the song or album that, that you claimed as your own first? When I was a kid, dang, uh, Blink-182 for sure. Because, and I'm really grateful for that because the songs are so simple. It wasn't like some complex thing where I had to figure it out. It was just real basic. And I think that fundamentally, uh, it taught me like, um, you know, the basics of writing a, just a straight banger song, you know, like instead of like overcomplicating it. And as I got older, I saw my peers and bands try to overcomplicate their music. And I've always had it in the core to make it simple. So I really appreciate um, falling in love with Blink-182 at, at an early age because it's so simple. And uh, it was all about the melodies and the, and the, and the, you know, just the chorus and stuff like that. So that and the Eminem, Eminem uh, brought out the angst and rage from uh, growing up with a bad childhood. I related to him, you know, very much when he talked about his mom and being addicted to pills and stuff like that. It felt like somebody was understanding me as, as well. And he's funny as hell. So back in the day, he was so funny. It was super funny. So some of the stuff he said was hilarious. And wow, I can't believe he said that. So it's, <laughs> 
it made me he that kind of shaped me into the artist I am because because I followed in his footsteps with not not really caring about um, censoring myself and stuff like that. I love this question, and I ask it of all the songwriters that I talk to. So this is a songwriting question, not a favorite song question. Can you give me an example or two of a song from an artist of any genre, any era, none of that matters, that you covet because of the craft of the songwriting, that it's a perfect example of perfect songwriting, and then tell me why? Perfect songwriting. Uh Queen, Freddie Mercury, the Bohemian Rhapsody, and everybody's like, that song's played out. It's like, well, it was made a long time ago, and um, it was not revered back. It was, uh, people didn't like it back in the day. They didn't. They talked crap about it, you know. It was and too that was long. Whole thing. It wasn't going to be a radio hit. All the stuff you were talking about. Yeah, and in my head, I know what was going on in his head, because I've done that so many times in my music, like, certain songs that will just turn into rap parts. And I'm like, I know, I know what he's thinking, why, why he did that. First of all, he was capable of doing that. Nobody else was the stacked vocals, like the, the, the bravado was insane. So um, that is just insane songwriting because it took so many chances. It was brilliant. It's brilliant. It's literally brilliant. It's so brilliant. It's crazy to this day. Everybody in the pro and everybody in the world, 90% of people in the world know that song. Think about that. That's billions of people. You know, if you play that song for a kid, they're going to sing a part of it at least, you know, at least some of it, you know, and like most people know that whole song. That's a big deal. That, that says something. And it doesn't even make any sense if you, if you listen to it, what uh, the lyrics do, but I mean like the structure of it, it's not a, a song that, you know, it doesn't make sense. He just did it, you know, and that's that's brilliant. That's real art. To There's me. a great so. meme that's like, if I'm in a car with you and Bohemian Rhapsody comes on and you don't sing along, we can't be friends. It's like, that's a pretty good rule. Yeah. It's like, if you don't like dogs or something, I can't <laughs> trust you. You know what I mean? Yeah. If somebody's like, I don't like dogs, like, yo, there's you're a sociopath. There's something wrong with you. You know what I mean? And I don't know. Go to therapy. I talked to Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath recently, and he's a dog and cat lover. He names all of his dogs and cats after hardcore rappers. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? So do you have pets? Because you're not home a lot. Or I do. do you, uh, or do you take uh, them with you? I, I used to take uh, my dogs with me, but uh, they get depressed on a tour bus. You can't, you can't do that to them. They're pack animals and you can't leave them home. I have people here, you know what I mean? And uh, I have two dogs. I have XXL bully, a pit bull. He's like a hundred, he's a puppy right now, but he's going to grow up to be like um, about 130 pounds. He's huge. Yeah. What's he's his name? the most lovable dog. Ozzy. <laughs> Ozzy. There is. Ozzy's all blacked out. He's like, he's so handsome, a very handsome dog. And then um, I got another pit bull and very handsome. His name's Lobster. Oh my God. I love that. My pug, her name's Wednesday. She's this little black yeah. pug named Wednesday. And it's like, yeah, I don't trust people that aren't dog people either. I just, I don't understand you on a basic human level. I don't get you. Basic human. Cause it's like, um, 
it's a love that, you know, like it, it, they just keep coming back no matter what kind of day you had. I can understand if you don't like cats because uh, you have to work for their love, you know, kind of thing. You have to clean their poop up. And then, and if they feel like not talking to you or looking at you, they don't, they won't. So I can understand if you don't really aren't too fond of cats, but you can't like a dog is constantly trying to love you. So, you know. Yeah. You're an asshole if you're not a dog lover. Right. (laughs) Well, I appreciate you hanging out with me so much. I know you're busy. You got a lot going on. The tour is getting ready to kick off. Um, July 27th, you're going to be in Providence, Rhode Island. The 29th, you're going to be up in Bangor, Maine, speaking of lobster. You're going to be in Guilford, New Hampshire on July 30th and in Bridgeport, Connecticut on July 31st. So we're going to see you a lot in New England. And the book is coming out. I can't wait to read the book. I know there's been a lot of controversy and you've made a lot of headlines. And the fact that you're taking the time to sit down and set the record straight about your own life story is pretty amazing. I think, yeah, the headlines don't matter as much anymore. I think it's because if they did, I wouldn't still be here. I think, I think people as a whole intuitively kind of know, even if they don't say it, they know, you know, but the book's just going to really, the book's for the core fans, honestly, that's just for people that, that, uh, that love me the most that want to, that want to have something like a, like a object or something to put on their coffee table and stuff, but it has some pretty juicy stuff in there as well. So, (laughs) well, I look forward to reading it. It was such a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you for your time. Have a great rest of your day. I'll see you on the tour. Right on later. Bye. There he is, Ronnie Radke, the lead singer from Falling in Reverse. You can check out rockzillatour.com to get all the details on the upcoming tour with Papa Roach, Hollywood Undead, and Bad Wolves. His autobiography is available for pre-order right now and is estimated to ship on July 1st. If you're looking for more info on both of those things, and if you're looking for Ronnie and Falling in Reverse online, check the links in the show notes of this podcast because all of it is up there. And you'll find all of my links there as well. You'll also find the link to the corresponding playlist for this week's episode. I make a corresponding playlist for every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast that's filled with my guest music and all of the music we referenced in the interview. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to click and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, every weekday, you get the sit rep. The Situation Report is all your rock news, music headlines, and industry info in less than five minutes. Plus, you never know when we're going to release a bonus episode. You can join me live every Tuesday night on my official Facebook page for my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. And you can head to MistressCarrie.com to shop in my official online store, check out my blogs, photo gallery, and even subscribe to my concert calendar for all of the shows coming to New England. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. You're finally at that hot new spot, the one your friends keep raving about, sitting across from your date. It's going... Another round? Really well. And that dish you've been dying to try, oh, it's headed your way. You can smell it, hear it sizzling fresh off that skillet as it comes closer, closer, and served. Go ahead, enjoy. After your phone sneaks a bite first... When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. 
helping people is what drew me to the profession of pharmacy. Nobody wants to take medications, right? They need to take them to feel better. And people need a pharmacist who will listen, who cares about them, and will take time to explain. Nothing's more important to me than patient care. And I'm grateful to work for a like-minded company. Actually, I don't just work here. I'm an owner. And you can be too. Come see what it's like to work for Kinney Drugs, an employee-owned, patient-centric company. It's why I became a pharmacist in the first place. KinneyDrugs.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points. 